We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Monday Recap Show here on the Roto-Grinders Daily Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Sammy Reed. I'm joined here by my fishy friend, Nate Noling, and we have a special guest today. Uh, Davis is not in the house, so we had to get somebody. I mean, he's got big fins to fill, so we had to get somebody really fishy in here. You know him, Josh ADHD. Josh, thanks so much for being here, dude. Yeah, I, I, I wish I could say more, but I'm drowning right now. I, I'm flopping around on the shore. My gills cannot <laughs> suck down enough of this air when I'm, when I'm out of the water. But uh, I'm, I'm going to do the best I can. Well, Damn. I mean, you had to fill Davis's shoes. So it was, it was expected as soon as you said yes to the pot. Yeah, once I found out, I was like, I, you know, I have, to, I have to destroy something beautiful today. And I, and I did that in grand fashion. Davis missed the game because he had to go – or missed this because he had to be at a Chiefs game, which was – at noon, so we're still confused as to why he can't make the pod 10 hours later. He's probably still outside the locker room waiting on Kelsey to come out. <laughs> he's, he's, he's actually running around the field looking for Kareem Hunt, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kareem Hunt confirmed not at the game. That was, that was a really interesting uh, thing that happened here. Nate, how was, how was your day overall, man? Uh, I had an okay day. I mean, overall, it was a profitable week for me, which, you know, but it was profitable without Julio, who I was high on. But um, it's always good when you can avoid being busted on a week where Julio goes for 50-something and you don't have him. So, I mean, I was high on Julio all week. I was talking about it, I think, 
he was due for this touchdown regression. I think it was pretty obvious this was going to come at some point. He, like we were saying earlier in the week, he was highest in difference in expected touchdown based on where his targets were and uh, his actual touchdown. So this shouldn't have been too, super surprising. Wait, wait, I, I don't get it. I mean, we were texting earlier in the week, me, you, and Davis, and you're like talking Davis into playing Julio. And I was then... talking both of you into it. You called me a fish. I did not call you a fish. I did. Look, you, you find the text where I called you a fish and you put it up on Twitter if it exists, which it doesn't. It might. I'll have to look. It, 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 it 100% does not. It was roster construction that got me off of him. I fell in love with a bunch of 5K receivers this week um, that I thought had, had a great floor and ceiling combination. And uh, Hey, look, man, any, any time you have the opportunity to jam in Corey Davis and not play Julio <laughs> Jones, you just got to do it. I, I completely understand. Josh, how are, how are things for you this week, dude? Oh, man, it's um, yeah, I, I tinkered myself to death this week. I, I, had a, I had a dynamite two tight end combo right at 11.58 before kick, and I bailed out on it the last second, and it cost me about 40 points total. Aye-ya. So, yeah, it, 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 turned, uh, it turned a very profitable day into a very unprofitable day in a hurry. But, you know, for the most part, process was good. I had bad results, and uh, I've got a few things to evaluate for week 13. Well, let's, I mean, since you're the special guest and I believe you have the fishiest lineup of all, let's break down, let's break down your lineup. Uh, I, I mean, I had a great weekend first off. The Steelers just won the Sunday night game, which is the thing that makes me the most happy. I put up 180 in cash despite Kareem Hunt, uh, which is also awesome. Nate, what did you do in cash? Uh, I had like 148, I think. Was, was that – I don't know where the cash line was because yeah, I, I, mean, I, I cashed in yeah. I cashed in double ups and everything. So okay, solid. Yeah, one forty seven point eight two. So cashed in double ups and stuff. So so Josh, the three of us have some things to talk about. You have your lineup here on screen share, which is just Davis never shows us his lineup because he's so ashamed. So first off, I have to just give you props. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Davis rounds up his numbers too. One forty two. It was in the one high one one fifty. <laughs> Davis probably considers any putt within three feet a gimme, too, and just picks up, right? Oh, that's 100% true. 100% true. So, so let's, uh, let's, let's talk about this lineup, Josh. Uh, first off, let's start at quarterback. What did you do at quarterback, and why did you do it? Yeah, so I went with Russ Wilson today. I thought, I thought he was fairly chalky. It ended up – he was like around 55% in a lot of the, uh, a lot of the smaller, you know, double-ups, 50-50s that I was in this week. And I just thought that he had the best floor. He's been playing so good, just putting the whole team on his back. And with the increased pace that San Francisco affords, I thought he was probably the most sense if you're going to pay up a quarterback. I almost went to Breeze. I'm kind of glad I didn't do that now. Uh, I, early in the week, I was on Wentz the whole time. And I thought that Wentz had a you know really good opportunity to throw for three touchdowns, maybe 300 yards and a blowout. And he came pretty damn close to that. But you know, I kind of just decided Wilson was the best thing to do with, with what he does with his feet. And I'm, I'm not too displeased with that. No, I mean, Wilson was, Wilson was the play this week. I think it's crazy. Over his last six games, he's averaging over 40 yards rushing, which is, um, which is another touchdown to his floor, basically. And you add to that what he's doing passing-wise. I mean, he's averaging over 300 over his last six. He's just uh, – he's been crushing, and he is their only way to move the ball, you know? Yep. I felt like Wilson was – like, he scored almost 25 DraftKings points, and I felt like he didn't even – like, the Seahawks didn't even do that good. You know what yeah, I mean? That was, yeah. like his, that was, like, the lower end of his outcomes. Like, I wasn't yeah, even yeah. ecstatic with it, you know? Yeah. 
We, we all played Wilson in cash. I think it was a thing to do. I know a lot of people went uh, Brissett, which in terms of roster construction, like I can't hate on it. Obviously, it didn't turn out very well. But, I mean, Wilson, I think everyone saw the stat before the week that he's accounting for almost 83% of the team's total yardage. And it's like, like Josh mentioned, when you're playing an up-tempo pace that San Francisco plays, that kind of volume share – over that many plays, it, it was just it was just too easy. And uh, I'm sorry to say, if you didn't play Russell Wilson, I mean, you're you're a fish. I mean, let's you know, let's throw it out. Well, the one other play that I thought was not fish that I could see would would have been Goff. Goff was at similar price ranges throughout the industry, and Goff is. I mean, they, they were in such a favorable spot with Lattimore and um, well, Crowley. Crowley out for the Saints, so I could see. Because I saw a couple of head-to-heads with, with Goff. I don't – I mean, I don't think that was fish. I mean, I, I don't know. I just don't think it was as good of a play. Although I did read something really cool today about how they're using Goff, that McVay basically always has him get to the line with 25 seconds left so that McVay can call the audibles because the it's headset a, doesn't click off until 15 seconds. That's sharp as hell. It's a college offense, right? Right. Right. It's perfect. I mean, how else are you going to give your, your young quarterback an advantage unless you could be in his ear for as long as possible? Yeah. It's and it just, it just simplifies golf. Obviously, golf's playing well, but it simplifies his decision-making and really gives two sets of eyes on one thing, and it's just sharp as hell. And I it's had, sad, I, though, that the rest of the NFL is so, like, stupid moronic that something like this, which is just obvious, looks sharp as heck, even though it's really not. Like, this is just – I don't know. I just wish the NFL was more efficient. I mean, Bill Belichick would be doing this if Tom Brady wasn't such a goat. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. 100%. So, yeah. Uh, quarterback, Russ was the play. Josh, let's talk about what you did uh, with your running backs here because this is yeah. this is where things start to get a little scaly. Uh, they start to, you know, get a little floaty. Uh, go, go ahead and lay it on us. Yeah, so the, again, this is this is something, <clears throat> excuse me, that's worked for me pretty well this year is going cheap at running back because I feel like I can target the cheaper volume that can that has a lot more upside. I had Tevin Coleman in here almost the entire week because I thought he was just a total shoe in play. He was. I mean, that was the right play to make this week. But at 4,800, I felt like Deion Lewis offered just as much upside and similar volume opportunity. And he was $1,700 cheaper. He allowed me a lot more flexibility. So that's why I went with Deion Lewis. Um, and, and for all intents and purposes, I was pretty happy with what I got out of Deion Lewis today. I mean, he got 112 yards, and he had a couple of targets, and, and I think he turned those into one or two receptions. So I'm not displeased with what I got out of, what I got out of him at all. And then I, I went with uh, McKissick from Seattle, and it was similar to the reasons I played Russell Wilson. I thought that Seattle would be ahead. I thought that McKissick would get more targets than he got. And I thought that the, the up-tempo pace that San Francisco affords us, again, would offer McKissick a little more volume. It, they didn't work out that way. I mean, uh, one thing in, that I noticed is that San Francisco kind of plays down to their competition level inside the division. And it's, it, it's weird. I can't really put a finger on it. Maybe it's just a divisional thing. but It's very Steelers-esque. Only the Steelers yeah, I mean, just, it's like they're in this total hammer spot where they just destroy San Francisco – and they go and they just play this total crappy game. And they let Russell just shoulder the offense again. And it's, and, you know, they're giving Eddie Lacy touches still. I think he had like, you know, 10 or 12 touches today. And it's just like, it doesn't make any sense. It's egregious. I, I, yeah, it's just madness. And so I thought McKissick had a lot more volume upside than, than obviously he got today. And 
that didn't work out for me. You know, I'm not upset at 8.6 out of McKissick at, at his price, but you know, for a lot of the week when I had Deion Lewis in this construction, I also had Mixon in here at 4,400. And if I'd have just left my stuff alone, like I did talked about earlier, you know, I could have had Mixon in here getting his, you know, 20 something points today and my lineup's a lot better. So, you know, obviously I got some things to think about in that regard. Now, now Nate, you played, you played Mixon too, right? Yeah. So I was on Mixon uh, pretty early in the week when, I mean, I struggled with the Tevin love as much as some people did. And we talked about this earlier in the week. I thought that uh, Hyde and Mixon both at, lower price tags were a comparable play from a volume standpoint to Tevin. Um, I think a lot of people got super excited about Tevin because of obviously with Freeman and everything else like that being out, but Freeman had I mean, his concussion was on the second play of the game two weeks ago. So we basically had a two game sample of what Tevin's work workload would look like. And he wasn't getting targets. Um, I mean, he had a total of three targets over the past uh, two games. And we saw it again uh, in this game that he, he didn't get one target. And so I just have a problem with playing on DraftKings 6.5K for a running back who's not going to get targets. And I thought Hyde had the 1K discount and had same amount of rushing um, share, but had a, a massive amount of target projection, and he did. I mean, Hyde got 13, or tw- yeah, 13 targets this week, which I don't know. I just feel like whenever you can get seven-plus targets out of a running back, you got to play that. Now, I know you don't really factor in – you factor in volume more than anything else, more than matchup, yep. more than, like, touchdown yep. projection. But the, the like, projected scores, the implied team totals for San Francisco versus Atlanta was a pretty significant difference. How much of a difference does that make to you when you're evaluating somebody like Hyde versus Coleman? I mean, I, I can pull up my projection. I think Hyde had, like, a – uh, 0.3 touchdown projection or something where Coleman had like a 0.6 where it's like you multiply 0.3 by point by six points. That's basically what I would account for the difference in touchdown projection. But um, I just think when you have to rely on your running back to score a touchdown to make value, it's a, it's a tough spot where Tevin yeah. had a touchdown in three straight games and still had an eclipse 15 points, which is for me just a limited ceiling to pay for in cash. So Tevin obviously smashed. He did really well. He got in the zone twice. Um, I ended up getting off him too because of you, uh, it, because I of this whole thing. I think it was thing. the right play. I don't know, man. I mean, I it, he had it, two it, touchdowns and he still only put up twenty one point seven DraftKings points. He I know had zero it, targets. He had ninety seven rushing yards. I mean, I don't know. Like, do you really want to play a guy who's going to be like he has to have? two touchdowns to hurt you i'll, well, I'll see, take that bet nine times out of ten that he doesn't get two my my assumption is that is that the targets for coleman were a little lower than they should be like coleman's proven himself a capable receiver they they throw to freeman a lot like i didn't see why that would really change but over the past six games atlanta's not targeting their running backs as much anymore i don't know what it is with the play calling uh because atlanta's doing some fishy stuff with play calling regardless but um i don't know i think you know i mean two touchdowns and getting 21 points. Like I'm okay with that. Like if that's what it takes to beat me, that's what it takes to beat me, but I'll take the diversified workload t- 10 times out of 10, which is what Mixon and Hyde both had. So I, so I ended up going with both Mixon and Hyde and then Kareem Hunt. Did you have those three guys also, or did you? I got up to Gurley. Okay. Just, especially but... with the concern about uh, 
Brown. And so I thought Gurley was going to have more workload. So I got on, I got on Gurley this morning. Let's, I mean, let's talk about Kareem Hunt for, for just a second here because this was an absolutely smash spot. The Bills had just been demolished by running backs each of the last three weeks. They've been destroyed. The, the Chiefs have been cold, but they were a 10-point home favorite. Josh, what do you make of this situation, man? Like, how, how does Kareem Hunt end up with three-point freaking six DraftKings points? How does this happen in this spot? You know, the only thing I could say is that, and this is something I noticed the last couple weeks watching that offense, is it's like Alex Smith has turned back into Alex Smith. I mean, he's a pumpkin. And when he's a pumpkin, that offense doesn't go anywhere. They they can't manufacture Kareem Hunt when Alex Smith can't throw the ball downfield and locks on to one or two guys that are, you know, eight yards from the line of scrimmage right in the middle of the field. It's just, it doesn't happen. So, you know, if anybody could lay an egg in this spot, it was certainly Kansas City. And that's what got me off Hunt early in the week it was the price and the fact that they stunk out loud in New York last week in a smash fight, right? They should have destroyed New York. And they went in there and just totally stunk, man. They stunk bad. And I thought this week, okay, well, you know, I was thinking narrative, like they're going to come back here and they're going to be mad after they got their, their butts kicked in New York last week and they're just going to destroy Buffalo. And I kept looking back at the old film and, and looking back and it's just – it smelled bad to me the whole time. That run game smells bad right now. They couldn't beat Dallas with it. They couldn't beat, you know, New York with it. And now they can't beat Buffalo with it. That just tells me their offense is just flat out broken. And it's one I'm going to avoid until they show some signs of life. So our official fish rankings right now, I think that Andy Reid has to be number one. Uh, I think that Davis Maddock is number two. And then I think I'm probably number three because I played Kareem Hunt. I just I mean, unfreaking believable, Sammy. What I I just I feel so stupid. Like, how can I do this? It's it's just here's, so here's bad. the thing, though. I I don't think it was as bad as it as it seems because you're not. I think weeks one through five, what people were chasing with Hunt was fishy. People were chasing all the big plays and all these other things, which weren't going to be consistent. Now we're seeing the volume. He's had over twenty touches three weeks in a row, and that's what you were playing him for this week. Is you knew he was going to get the volume. Yes, there's been questions about the efficiency of the offense, but that's something that I'm not going to bet on time and time again, that this offense is going to turn into a complete pumpkin, you know, after 10 weeks of the season. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think it was as fish. I get it's easy to rip on it, but like he had three straight weeks of 20 plus touches. Like, Okay. So let's, let's, let's jump onto a little tangent here and talk about Alvin Kamara. Because Alvin Kamara is a guy that's not getting a ton of volume. He is being enormously efficient. Right now he stands to be, and there's still season left to go. Uh, I think Graham Barfield tweeted this. The only running back in NFL history, 75-plus carries in a season to average seven or more yards per carry. And he looks amazing. The Saints are an amazing running back spot, but the guy's only getting, you know, I I don't know what his average is, 14 touches a game at, at best. Like, Josh, yeah, what do you make of what do you make of Kamara? I, you know, he's like Anton Smith on steroids. Oh yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's unbelievable, and that's part of why I haven't played him at all this season. Is just because I I keep waiting for that efficiency to go off a cliff. It has to at some point, right? It does. But it, I feel but like it doesn't. That's the it thing. Does. It doesn't. It every week you think he's going to drop off a cliff, and he's just he comes right back and he hammers home a seventy plus yard TD, and you're just like, the hell, man? When is this going to when is this going to progress to the mean? It hasn't done it yet. So. That tells me that he's either just this completely special athlete that is put in these specially leveraged situations every week by his very smart coach, 
and his good offense and his line around him. And he's just going to continue smashing because he's in a spot to do it and he can take advantage of it. But I look back at some of his plays and they seem kind of fluky a little bit. You know, it's like the, the TD catch he had last week where he bobbles the pass against Washington and the bobble just totally freezes the defense. And he, okay, well, I'll claim it and just run in the end zone and, and going to be really pretty much unhindered. And I haven't seen the replay of, of his long run yet today, but I'm sure I could look at it and dissect it and say, okay, well, he had a few things break right for him here. And, you know, let's say nine times out of 10, that's not going to work out. So again, I, I keep waiting for the regression of the mean. I'm sure the week I play him, it's going to happen just because that's how I roll. But, you know, <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's at some point you just have to accept that, maybe he's a special player in a special situation and not worry about the touches anymore. Nate, throw some cold water on this. I know you're just going to like downer this whole thing up, like go yeah, for it. I mean, I mean the dude had, the dude had five touches or five rushing attempts and six targets and ended up with 40 DraftKings points. I will, <laughs> I will put any amount of money on the fact that this efficiency will not continue. He's averaging like 1.4 points over expectation to what every other running back since yeah. 2000 has done like I get that over a four game sample he's done it but like I hope people continue to play him on, and and that he doesn't get more touches because this is exactly what was happening with Kareem Hunt for the first four weeks everybody was like he's gonna do it he's gonna break a 70 yard game every game and it's like no and Chris um, Thompson Chris Thompson too to a lesser yeah. degree and it's like literally he's 1.4 points above expectation for every uh and so I mean I just this this isn't going to continue. Yeah, and what do you so, think? It, what do you think the Z score is on something like that? I mean, it's astronomical, right? Oh, he's he's, he's like four standard deviations yeah, above at least, the norm at least. At least. And so what I'm saying, the only thing that would concern me is if workload starts to shift, because that's the one part that gets tricky. Is if all of a sudden he gets more touches, then I would then I might you know shift more towards him. But I think Ingram's going to still get the workload. I think. Um, I mean, it's easy to look at this and go, oh, this is so much fun. And, but, like, it's not going to continue. You know what's crazy is, though, like, this is really outlier, too, because New Orleans only ran 49 plays today that weren't mm -hmm. special teams plays. That's very outlier. So, you know, the thing that, that the Rams did to them today was they kept them off the field. So, you know, we look at 11 touches for Kamara, and it looks like Ingram had how many? He had 13. So they had 24 touches between the two running backs where the prior weeks you were looking at probably 40 plus touches between the two running backs. Mm -hmm. So it's, you the know, let's say I look at most to, to make sure I'm factoring in the amount of plays is overall offensive share. So I look at team rushing attempts, team passing attempts, mm -hmm. and then uh, rushing attempts and targets for the player. And, and he had 22% of the team's offensive share of plays this week, which is, I mean, that's, that's somebody who's not a key cog in, in an offense. And so it's like, even though their plays weren't, you know, they didn't have a ton of plays. Like, I mean, if you think you're going to play a guy with 22% of an offensive share, when you got, when you get guys like Le'Veon, guys like Carlos Hyde, guys like, you know, LaShawn McCoy, who are like 50% of their team's plays going to them. I'll take that 10 times out of 10. Let's, uh, let's, let's shoot back to the lineups here. Now that Josh has said some really smart things, um, and, and by the way, I'm really happy that I knew what a Z-score was because you guys are like database mavens and I'm a, a complete fish when it comes to uh, things like this. So I'm really proud of myself. But let's talk about what you did at wide receiver here, Josh. Yeah, so, so this week I rolled out Alshon Jeffrey, Sammy Watkins, and Michael Thomas at wide receiver. 
And so my thinking there was with, with Jeffrey, he was one of the few wide receivers I felt that could go for 100 plus and two touchdowns in his matchup. And it wasn't just the revenge narrative there, although that factored into the decision somewhat. But again, it's just like he's one of the super high ceiling players that I see that hasn't had that super high ceiling breakout game this year. And I thought this would be a good spot for that. You know, they were playing at home. I thought they would have the ball quite a bit where they could throw the ball. And Philadelphia has shown this season that when they do have a lead, they still throw the ball. They don't just, you know, turtle and go to the run game. I mean, Peterson's happy to call really high percentage run or uh, pass plays throughout the remainder of the game when they're ahead. So I thought Jeffrey was in a good spot there. I thought he was pretty fairly priced like Keenan Allen was the week before. And, you know, he was in the low sixes. So, you know, to me, Jeffrey was kind of a no-brainer for me and for cash. I thought he had a good floor. Uh, Watkins and Thomas, really, I was just trying to leverage a game. I thought that both teams could get into the 30s. And obviously that didn't work out because the uh, the Rams defense came to play today. And, you know, obviously New Orleans offense, they kind of stunk out loud a little bit, I think. And so, I, obviously, I didn't get what I wanted there. But Michael Thomas has been a guy I've rostered him almost every single week this year because I think he has an incredibly high floor. Even though he's not scoring touchdowns, he's due for a breakout game just like Julio Jones. I mean, he hasn't had his 12 for 200 and two touchdown game yet this season. I thought this might be the week for it. And I thought, you know, even if that didn't work out, I would get an eight for 105 game out of him, which I would be totally tickled to death with at 7,200 as a floor game. And then Watkins, I just thought Watkins was too cheap. And, you know, I, I had read on Saturday about what Greg Cosell said about the reads that the Rams make in this offense and what they want Goff to do. And that Watkins was getting open, wide open, wide ass open. And that because he was the third read in the passing game, he just wasn't getting the ball. So if they move Watkins into the first or second read in the offense on a majority of plays, I felt like at 4,900 that he would pay dividends. And in my opinion, I think he did. So I, I was, I had a lot of Watkins today. Um, I had a lot of them in tournaments. He almost caught a second touchdown at the yep. end of the game, just got batted away. Uh, could have been something that made his game from good to, to absolutely great. I was because of, because of that thing that you were talking about, Josh, I was still a little suspect in cash. I wasn't quite sure I wanted to go there because, you know, you're not quite sure. They're, they're talking about keeping three receivers on one side. You have Watkins isolated on the backside a lot of the time. And I wasn't sure how much they'd switch that around. Obviously, Watkins got nine targets. He ended up scoring. He had a fine game. Uh, I ended up going with Cooper Cup in cash, uh, which, was, which was fine. Um, I was surprised to see he was 45% owned. Cooper yeah, Cup he was, was. He, was, he was the chalk this week, and I'm really surprised by that. But, I, but the comfort thing that you mentioned, I think that's what played into the Cup thing being so heavily owned. I think he was around 50, what, 5,500 or something this week? I can't he, remember. He was five even. Okay, five even. So he's 100, 100 bucks more than Sammy Watkins. And, I, you know, obviously folks felt a lot safer with him as the play because he's been the second read the whole time, right? So yeah. they didn't feel his role would change. And it was safe volume. And I can't blame anybody for that. And he paid out on that, you know, but it's, um, I saw the number on his ownership and I was a little bit surprised. I thought that folks would go other places with their money. I thought Watkins would be higher owned. I was, I was very surprised, very surprised to see Cup at that kind of ownership. I was honestly shocked. Yeah. So Nate, uh, tell tell me a little bit, uh, go real fast. uh, What did you do at receiver? Um, I also went Cup. I think the reason I went Cup over Watkins was, um, not just the comfort factor, also just in cash games, like ADOP matters to me a lot in cash games. And when you have similar guys, similar target projections, one with a much lower ADOT, much higher floor for me. And I thought Watkins, you know, had the big play 
I mean, Watkins ADOT this year is like over 16, where Cups is like eight. Um, and so in cash games, I will lean towards a guy who has a higher probability of catching those targets than uh, somebody who might get one or two big plays, but could also go seven targets and one reception. So that's why I went Cup, and I think that's why most of the field went Cup too. But um, I went Cup, and then uh, I fished it with Corey Davis. Um, <laughs> I just fished it. I mean, I, 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 I should have got off of him after the Eric Decker news broke this morning that he was actually going to be the number one. Um, I didn't, and I, it was egregious. That is, that is, that is super, super. It was, just... it was so fish. I literally was like, do I want I – because I could have had Watkins. I could have had Watkins. And, but you were like, you know what, do I, do I want Watkins or do I just want a guy who's like going to be covered up all the time against a team that's great against number one receivers and is probably not even going to be on the field that much with Decker. I get it. You know, it's, it, it makes a lot of sense when you put it that way. Guy, my other guy was, uh, I went Fitz just because his price tag was so great. Wait, what? Wow. Matchup. Are you kidding? No, no, no. you didn't. Yes. Oh my I 100% God. had Fitz. He was my cash game. Like, <laughs> when I get wow. a guy at 5 no! Wait, wait. They didn't play Houston this week. They played Jacksonville. Yeah. You went with Fitz? <laughs> I went with Fitz. So, Dude. hey, wait. Okay. Stand up. Stand up. I want to see the size of your balls. That's incredible. <laughs> I, I want to I see the size of your fins, bro. <laughs> Flap them around okay. a little bit. Like, <laughs> so he's got them hidden under the hood tonight. You know, it's all. Oh my so, God. Nate, I didn't. Dude, how did I not know this? I was tilting Fitz all day. Oh, my God. What were you thinking? I, I can't blame you. I <laughs> so, Fitz had – Fitz coming into the week had a 30% target – over a 30% market share of the targets with um, – and he was five points. He was like, yeah, he was 5.6. And so, it was just – I thought it was a no-brainer from a volume standpoint. I understand it's a tough matchup. DK priced in the tough matchup. Jalen Ramsey was ruled out up until like an hour before lock. And I thought I was like, well, I mean, the Nate, guy ruled himself out. Nate, you got you got to stop, dude. <laughs> this is just was, you're just digging yourself a hole. This is an egregious decision. What the hell? <laughs> no, I, I I don't think Fitz was as bad as you think. No, he he absolutely was. This is, I mean, this is like Davis Maddock level, like Brandon LaFell. Eh, no, it's not that bad. Like, I could totally understand this if we knew that Ramsey wasn't going to play. But as soon as we saw Ramsey was going to play, I was like, I, I got to bug out of this situation. And it was iffy for me even even before that if, when we thought Ramsey wasn't going to play just because I, I thought that Jacksonville would just be in Gabbard's face all day and I thought Gabbard would be here in footsteps and just bailing out and, and not throwing it to Fitz, throwing it somewhere else and not really allowing Fitz to develop his route. So the thing, I, the thing you have to understand about Jacksonville, Nate, is it's not just one guy. It's not just like, oh, you know, uh, Jalen Ramsey is such a good cover guy. That entire defense. But Fitz moves around. It, he's, he's in yeah. the slot. He's all over the place. Like Fitz isn't a guy who's going to be shadowed. Like it's not an Alshon Jeffrey type thing or a – he's not a guy who's just going to run certain type of routes on the outside that you can lock down. Like – Fitz is an all over the field type guy who's gonna get his ten targets every game. We we have we have a new fish power ranking. Like I, Nate is number know. one. He's the grand high Marlin, and then it's Andy Reid. I feel more fishy about the Corey Davis than I do about the Fitz thing. <laughs> I think I, th- I think that's fair. But at least Fitzgerald's done something in this league, right? I mean, Corey Davis hasn't quite gotten there yet. That is facts. That that is that is a hundred percent fact right there. Hey, I so mean, let's. 
What, what are we going to do with Ricky Seals Jones going forward? Because he appears to be the Blaine Gabbert Wooby of choice. He is. Oh, that is his Wooby. I like that. That's that's a hundred percent right. I mean, he left. That, that's his practice squad homeboy right there. That's it. He left the game with an injury, but if he's like he came back he, in, yeah, if he's in next week, man, we we got some tough decisions to make. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's like um, he's what we wanted Jermaine Gresham to be, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's just a little bit more athletic, Jermaine Gresham, but he's taking advantage of, of the plays that he's getting. I mean, he got six targets today. And yeah. turned oh, the I mean, two and a score, and his score looked good. I mean, he was wide-ass open. Larry, uh, Larry Fitzgerald right now is sitting at home, like, wishing he was Ricky Seals-Jones. That's Clearly. basically, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I, I, I went Julio and Cooks and Cup, and, I mean, you're both just super fishy for not doing that. Um, let's talk about your your tight end uh uh, just debacle here, Josh. Let's let's just lay it all out there, bro. What yeah, happened yeah, this here? Is, this is where everything went wrong this week because I, I've had a lot of su- success running two tight ends in cash and, and double ups this year. And today, I, I tinkered myself out of out of a real gym. You know, going into the going into the weekend, I was pretty set. I was like, I'm doing Delaney Walker and I'm doing Rob Gronkowski. I'm going to stack those two guys. I love their volume. I think they're in the right spot. I think they'll smash. And then at 11.58 today, I for some reason, I just got the heebie-jeebies and I failed on that stuff and ended up flipping over to Jared Cook and Travis Kelsey, which is like the most suboptimal pairing you could possibly get if you're going to pay up at tight end and flex. And it, But it was a lot of reasons why people paid, played Hunt this week is, is like that's a smash spot. Kelsey is a smash player. I mean, he smashed New York last week. He didn't get in the box, but, I mean, he, he put up over 20 points. I'm thinking – that's that's like his floor this week is is twenty DK points and then they go out and they and they give him three targets and I'm just like I, to me that's when I know the offense is completely broken in Kansas City in a home game and they can't get their stud tight end more than three targets that's just like I'm gonna wash my hands of Kansas City until they do something well they couldn't get anybody involved they didn't get Hunt involved they didn't get Hill involved and they didn't get Kelsey involved like how they, do you go an entire NFL football game against a terrible defense? and completely not do I mean, they talked about not being able to solve cover two. Like, bro, cover two's been around since Bart Starr was, was the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Like, what's, what's the problem, Andy Reid? Yeah, and the, the thing that was frustrating that leads me back to Alex Smith being the source of the problem is Kelsey's running wide open on 80% of his pass routes. I mean, wide open. And half of the time at the end of his pass route, his hands are like this, like – you know, WTF, bro, where's the ball? And obviously Alex Smith is like looking down at the ground three yards in front of him because that's where he wants to throw it almost every single play. Well, Kareem so, Hunt's right there. What's what's the problem? Throw it down. Right. <laughs> I mean, they're scheming plays for Charkandrick West before they're targeting Travis Kelsey. It's just I, – I don't understand what's going on in Kansas it's, City, and it's just like I'm done, man. I'm done with these clowns until they can figure it out and put Mahomes in the game. What were, what, what were you saying, Nate? I, the play calling is just egregious. It's it's, it's all egregious. it's all very bad. And that swap, I mean, I you know, I, I did a study on this uh, a couple years ago, Josh, and I found that last minute tinkers lose points ninety six point four percent of the time. It's it's yeah. just math. I mean, the best lineup I've had this year was the lineup I did last week in Nashville when I was so hungover I couldn't see straight, and I just like I just fired off my instinct and said, okay, I think these guys are going to hit this week. I'm not going to touch after this because my brain hurts. And Sounds I like put almost. I'm sorry. Sounds like you have a new Saturday night routine. Yeah, clearly. I just well, <laughs> I, I need to just power through to to Sunday morning and just keep drinking until it's locked. And at that point, I'll, I'll be good. I Seems think. like the only reasonable thing to do. I mean, that's 
It's just I mean, the play. Yeah, I mean, it really, it's just the evolution of process we're talking about. Here. <laughs> you just internalize all the stuff your database sits, spits out. You just internalize it, get some suds in you, beer 30, beer 45, and then boom, yeah, make some smash lineups. It's like Peter Griffin turned into like a piano savant when he's handed. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Oh, Nate, what uh, would you do at tight end, man? Uh, I mean, I I took the chalk and went Doyle, at, which I couldn't believe he wasn't even more chalky. Doyle at four forty five hundred seemed like the lock. What was what was he owned? I ended up not playing Doyle. I, I jumped down at Julius 20. Thomas, but it, Doyle was like such a smash play. Yeah, Doyle was only like twenty, and I I'm like I don't know if people just got scared off by his dud last week, but it's like this dude is is seeing some of the most consistent volume for a tight end, and he's. Like, I don't know. I, I just – I love Doyle. I mean, it's clear that um, he has something there, and I think, you know, he's, he's got one of the most clear-cut work, workloads of tight ends. I mean, at 4.5, it was like – Yeah. So, so, in the giant $5 double up, he was 42% owned. Oh, okay. I thought he was like 20%. And that floored me. I, I was like 42% on a tight end? Seriously? I, I, was, I was shocked by that. I thought more people would go to Delaney Walker. But the, Delaney the Walker public, only did, The public was, was sharp. Yeah, I mean, the, the Delaney Walker ended up being like 16%. And I thought he was a much better play than Doyle this week for his opportunity to get in the box. I liked, and, I mean, I, I thought those were the plays. I, I, thought, I thought him, I thought Delaney and, and Doyle were the plays. I mean, that was just, dude, it was obvious. And, I mean, I mean, the game all set up really well. I thought that Delaney was a great GPP play because he hadn't scored yet this year. Yep. And he'd gotten so unlucky to do so, like, I mean – you could call it unlucky, but he dropped a touchdown, an easy one last week where his week would have looked so much better. And we just talked about Corey Davis, and he was so widely owned. I don't know what he his percentage ended up being, but it was just great leverage. Yeah, way too, too high. high. Yeah, it was super high. In the, way too high. Yeah, in the big $5 double up, he was 36.3. At least just I'm like, not alone with my fishiness. <laughs> you're in the school of fish the that's Cody right yeah you're all fish. floating together you know there's strength in numbers nate um, upside down in the fishbowl <laughs> y'all dead man i i ended up uh i i went to julius thomas um it, it was wow. not something yeah it was not it, i i didn't think julius thomas was a good play at all were, were you the only person that played julius thomas this week yeah he was two point register as a percentage owned <laughs> he, was, he was 2.2 percent owned like, did you did you have a bet or something? Were you were like were you contractually obligated to play Orange Juice? I was week? joking this morning when I said he probably has Julius. <laughs> no, I were you? no, I hadn't. I mean, dude, I I just I love the rest of my lineup so much that I really I you know you I, I wanted Hul- yourself. Yeah, I wanted Julio so bad, and I wanted Cook so bad that at the end of it, I was just like, Hey, he's 2,700. They're going to be down the whole time. I think he'll get a handful of catches. He went five for 52. It was fine. I think I probably luck box to get there, but so, so what, I, what? This, I build hundreds of lineups during the week just to kind of look at different constructions. I don't think I ever got close. That's because that. <laughs> you're a fish, Nate. I mean, you just got to jam in Julius Thomas. It was the play. That was the play. So, so how much was Thomas this week? 2,700. He was 2,700? Yeah. Holy cow. So I, I saw a lot of folks talking about, um, what's his name? Trailer, Austin Trailer, Denver backup, 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 backup tight end that everybody thought Lynch would be on, you know, as kind of his Ricky Seals Jones type would be. And I, I didn't, I haven't looked at the box board to see what that, what that cat did. I'm going to guess it was Zilch, but 
you know, really to me, the cheapest you could have gone at tight end this week and felt good about it, other than obviously you with Julius, Julius Thomas was Tyler Croft for yeah, 3900 yeah. And, you know, he ended up paying out pretty good this week. And, and I probably should have just swallowed my pride and played him like I thought about really, really early in the week looking at that matchup. And instead, I just decided to have diarrhea all over myself at tight end. <laughs> hey, you know, when you got to go, you got to go. Uh, Julius Thomas, the GOAT. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for the 10.2. It was great. Let's, uh, let's not talk about defense and special teams because ain't nobody care about that life. Uh, let's just go over real fast. A couple of things that we took away from this week. I know we've covered a lot of content here just in the course of discussing our lineups, but uh, Nate, why don't you start us off, man? Just give me give me a nugget, something you took away from this week. Um, I mean, I I, I want to dive a little bit closer into New Orleans backfield and figure out um, if these touches are going to be continue like continue to be consistent based on what we're seeing, or if Kamara is going to start getting more workload. Because I mean, it's clear that Kamara looks good, but I just I just don't even know like. If like you know, with Chris Thompson, they limit his work his workload intentionally, you know, because they know that in that that efficiency can only be there on select plays. So uh, I want to dive into that a little bit more, uh, and then also Marshawn Lynch. I mean, Marshawn Lynch got an incra- crazy amount of workload this week. Um, I mean, he had forty five percent of his team's offensive plays this week. He had, you know, he had three targets and and uh, twenty six carries, and I know it was a, you know, a, quite a bit of carries, but. I just want to look at that a little bit more. I mean, it's crazy what happens for Oakland when game script's in their favor, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And they actually they run the ball. And that's what they did last year when they had leads. I mean, they just pound the rock with Latavius Murray. So it's it's something probably to keep in mind if, if for some reason we think Oakland, Oakland will actually have a lead going forward. It's probably going to be a spot to look at Marshawn, especially if he stays around the fours like and he was this week. Thing, he was at 4K. That's the one thing I think that on DraftKings, the inefficiency is uh, in running backs who are in the 4K range – uh, people get so obsessed with yards per carry efficiency. And that's why Joe Mixon was so under owned this week. Oh, he's got two, you know, that's, that's, that stuff's not sticky. And so even though Marshawn Lynch had 26 carries, nobody's going to look twice at him because he averaged 2.6 yards per carry this week, but it was versus Denver. It's like, I don't know. I, I literally don't even look at yards per carry when it comes to that type of stuff, just because it's so, you know, and that's why Joe Mixon to me was such a great play this week. And, you know, he put up a great game. He had five yards per carry, and it's like, oh, you know, that doesn't mean his last five weeks were were worthless. But um, well, the, I think the other thing we're going to have to look out for is is Mixon was a beneficiary of Cleveland running or run defense injuries, right? So Cleveland lost Ogba, and I can't remember the other cat that they lost this week Jamie, on the run defense. Jamie Jamie Collins a couple Jamie weeks Collins, ago. Yeah. So I mean, so they lost two key cogs to their run defense this week. At least you know that's kind of what's conjectured, and it, and Mixon showed that up. So mm-hmm. something we need to look at going forward is if those two guys or at least one of them is out of the, the lineup for Cleveland's defense, then we probably need to look at them as a target for the run game or what, whoever's playing them. Whereas before, I mean, I think a lot of Mixon's price was due to the fact that they were playing the Cleveland run defense, who's number one in run defense this year, I believe. Yeah. I, I think DVOA had them there and, and my adjusted metrics had them pretty close to number one in run defense. So if, if DraftKings doesn't catch on to that, let's say going into the next week, and I can't recall who Cleveland's playing this week, but if there's a, let's say, a lower-priced running back that we think has good volume potential, it's probably somebody to target going into this week that'll give us some salary relief. So I think that's a situation to monitor. Well, the other thing about that, I think think what Nate said is really true. Regardless of the efficiency that you're looking at here, he's a guy that's been getting work in the passing game, he's been getting the goal line work, and he was a massive home favorite. At the end of it, 
dude, if he runs for three yards a carry, great, but you're going to get 20-plus touches for whatever he was, 4.4. And I have to thank Nate for this because I really hadn't considered him that much. And then, you know, Nate and I were, were texting back and forth, and, and Nate really sold me on him. And I ended up getting out of uh, McKissick to get to Mixon. And obviously that worked out really well, but I think the process uh, was, was fine as well. Whereas McKissick, it's like, okay, I think he's going to get five targets and five to ten carries, but mm-hmm. Mixon is going to get 20-plus. And, I mean, that just made a, a whole lot more sense for 400 more. So, uh, got to say thanks, Nate. You are sharp every once in a while. Yeah, now I'm kind of sad I didn't talk to you so you could talk me out of McKissick and doing something smart. Instead, I developed <laughs> these skills and started looking for water to dive into. <laughs> um, I will throw this out there. Uh, we talked about Kamara. Uh, we talked about KC. I think the New England situation, it's, it's like we get amnesia every single week, right? And we feel like we know what's going to go on. I really like Deion Lewis too this week, Josh. I had a decent amount of Deion in GPPs, and then Burkhead gets two touchdowns. Yeah. And it, everybody's off of Gronk because he hadn't been used that much the last couple of weeks. And it's like, oh, you know, they're saving Gronk. They, they have their playoff spot wrapped up. They're not going to, like, send them on all these routes over the middle and this and that. And then Gronk smashes. It's like the moment you think that you know what New England's going to do, you don't. And there's actually probably just so much equity in just doing the opposite of what makes sense for New England to do that, uh, you know, just play Gronk and and Burkhead and and you like won so much money this week. You have no idea what to do with it. Yeah, and, and honestly, even with Deion Lewis, I mean, at 4,800, you're pretty happy with his outcome. He scored over 15 points. I mean, that's not, that's not terrible. I mean, it, really, that's uh, like I mentioned earlier. You compare Tevin Coleman and Deion Lewis this week at a 1,700 price difference, and they had the exact same projection, in my opinion. Same, same touch volume, whatever. And they, and they had the same game script going to this game looking for it. So, you know, to me, it's like it was a no-brainer. I'm going to get off Coleman. I'm going to play Deion Lewis because it's the same thing at, at, at 4,800 bucks. So, and, and Mixon, Mixon was only, I mean, just going back to him, he was 12% in the double up I'm looking at, the, the yeah. giant, I think the 25, maybe the 10. But, yeah, I mean, that was, that was great ownership. Uh, Deion Lewis, I mean, massive home favorite, um, you know, bad team. I, I, I really like Lewis as well, and I know yeah. that, that Silva did too, and Silva's always smart. So um, let's, let's do this. Let's jump over. Let's wrap this show up by talking a little. I have one other thing to mention, just oh, yeah. uh, – one other takeaway, uh, D.D. Westbrook probably most people aren't going to look at much because he didn't necessarily go off. But I was really encouraged. I mean, he had 10 targets. Um, he had uh, 74. Uh, he had a weighted opportunity rating, which is a Josh Armstrong metric of uh, – I mean, he was top 15 on the week um, in Whopper, and uh, he had over 100 air yards. And so that was really encouraging to see that he's actually getting that. We've, we've seen his preseason that he is a talented guy, and I think, you know, He's somebody to look at going forward if Jacksonville is going to be passing. Oh, snap. I didn't even know. I didn't even see that he had 10 targets. Yeah, it, it's exciting. Uh-huh. Yeah, he, well, I mean, he was he was not Patrick Peterson covered, right? So, I mean, that was that was the thing. He, he was a beneficiary, and that's kind of what – I mean, I think that was the, the reason to play him going into this week, not, notwithstanding his, his $3,600 price was mm-hmm. the expected volume that would be shoveled his way if it was a competitive game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Marquise Lee got covered up one for 13 on two targets. Yeah. Right. And we're talking about those little things in game making a difference. We're talking about Marshawn Lynch. Michael Crabtree gets tossed out early in the game. Uh, Amari Cooper leaves with a concussion, I think, in the second quarter. 
uh, I think, and, and positive game script, that led a lot to uh, Lynch's volume. Obviously, we don't know the status of those guys moving forward, but... And, and, How sick is the Talib troll of getting the gold chain again? <laughs> My grandma like, gave me that chain! Sick, like, <laughs> the trolliest of trolls. It's oh, amazing, too, because that squabble goes all the way back to Dallas, to their high school days, when they faced off against each other in high school. So, I mean, it's like, this is a long-standing squabble. It's fantastic. That's, that's amazing. I mean, who, who owns Crabtree harder? Is it Richard Sherman or is it Tlaib? <laughs> I mean, that, that's a <laughs> steal it is gold. Oh, twice. Two, cha- so two chains versus one ring. Yep. It's tough. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about this two game slate. Uh, for the prime time, we have Houston at Baltimore tonight. Uh, Baltimore, last time I looked, was seven and a half point favorites. And then we have Washington at Dallas on Thursday. Dallas at home, 2.5 point home favorites, which as bad as they've been playing, I was a little surprised that they're favored by that. Yeah, that, that just reeks of like a sucker play to me, to be honest. It's, I, I can't get behind that. I think Washington could wipe the floor with those guys because they played a competitive game against Dallas last time with zero offensive line, and, and they managed to stay in that pretty well. So now it's um, – to me, I, 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 I want to get in on the Monday – or sorry, on the Thursday, Monday, the long slate – just to play the Washington defense because I think that, that they could very well rack up, let's say, you know, five or six sacks and maybe a couple of turnovers just based on how bad Dallas has looked. I mean, they just – they look completely out of sorts. And I think a lot of it is probably coaching and game day management. And a lot of it also is it looks like Dak is just – I mean, he's hearing footsteps right now. I think he hears Adrian Claiborne coming for him every single snap. Is what it I, seems think, like. I think he actually hears Tony Romo coming down from the boot. He's going to take his job, Tony, dude. Tony Romo's coming back. I mean, I, I, I will say this. I had a great Sunday, but I got murked on Thanksgiving. And a big part of getting murked on Thanksgiving was thinking that Tyron Smith coming back for Dallas was going to change things a lot, right? I, I wasn't that concerned about Zeke. They'd been running fine without Zeke, but Tyron mm-hmm. Smith came back. And it didn't help at all, man. Dak is no. shook as hell. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with that. At quarterback here on the slate, I mean, Savage, uh, Flacco, I mean, these guys are, like, unplayable to me. I mean, is, is there any game theory reasons why you might take a shot on one of these guys? I, you know, I would look at Flacco just because the Houston pass defense is bad. They're on the road at Baltimore. And it's good to see that Woodhead is back in the lineup. I thought Woodhead looked pretty good in what film I watched of him last week. He was targeted pretty heavily, pretty early, just like he was in the first week of the season. So I think having a player like that back in the Baltimore offense may actually help Flacco to open up things around him with Macklin and with Wallace. So to me, I think if you're going to play a guy in a tournament, it's it's probably going to be Flacco just to get salary relief to go some other places. Otherwise, I don't know how you can't play Cousins. I, I could see that. I, I agree with, with having a ton of cousins. I mean, Dak might be the super contrarian play at this point. Yeah, I agree I think, with that. Yeah, I think Dak would be the, like, the contrarian one. But I think the other two guys, it's like it, – it, I, I don't know how you could play them. I, I can't see a case for it. Yeah, there's like – I mean, I don't care if uh, – I knew that Savage was going to be 1% owned. I still couldn't play him. Like, I still there's couldn't do it. There's a million other places to diversify. Like, you don't need to do it at quarterback for playing a guy who's going to – be minus five to ten points of equity on somebody else. Like, yeah, don't do that. 
Yeah. All right. So there's some interesting stuff going up at running back here. Uh, Nate, who, who would you think is the first guy you're jamming in at the running back position? I mean, I don't know. I think it's going to be an interesting spot. Um, it depends on kind of what you're trying to do. I think if you're trying to just stack that uh, Wednesday or the Thursday game, I think, you know, I think Samaj Piran is the play, you know, we saw the volume and things like that. So um, that's kind of where I would be. I agree with that. I think that P Ryan, I mean, he's also seeing some work in the passing game, which you like, not a ton of it, but enough to enough for his price tag. And I'm this late. Yeah. And he smashed two games in a row of over a hundred yards. Um, Josh, what about for you? Who stands out besides P Ryan that you think would be pretty solid here? Like talk about Woodhead. He only got, I think 13 snaps last week. Um, but they had a super positive game script. Mm-hmm. They also rates have a super positive game script here, but if he plays more snaps, do you think he's viable? Uh, you know, I think I'm, I think on this slate, if I think that ba- the Baltimore's going to be ahead, and, and I do, and I think they're going to end up squashing Savage and getting and, and holding the ball a lot, to me it's going to be Alex Collins. You know, one thing that, that was very positive for me on, on watching Alex Collins is they are targeting him in the past game. It's not frequent but it's enough that I can probably rest assured that he's going to get, let's say, two to three catches a game on maybe four or five targets. And his carry volume has been fantastic. I mean, he's getting the ball 15 to 20 times a game. He's getting in the end zone. I think Baltimore's probably going to be in the end zone, you know, three or four times in this game. To me, that makes me lean Collins at 4,800, where I can do a lot of things at wide receiver. I dig on that, too. Uh, Alf Morris was a dude who just crushed me on Thanksgiving. I had 100% Alf. I was like, oh, it's all happening. Like, Alf's going to get 20-plus carries. And then it just just didn't happen, bro. It just didn't happen. Uh, So I might try to double down on my losses by going contrarian there, Um, just in case Dallas does some good things. I think there's a lot of interesting plays here at the wide receiver position. Um, I know that Nate is going to lock in Hopkins right away. Because uh, that's such a neat thing. I think lineups just become auto loaded with Hopkins on this slate. Like on DraftKings, it just happens. Yeah. Is there, I mean, his, his volume is so ridiculous. And I mean, he was not even that widely owned uh, when he faced the Rams, I think, two weeks ago. And he smashed, or maybe, no, it was last week. I just can't see a case to not play him. Yeah, he was facing Arizona last week and Patrick Peterson, yep. and he—I mean—he did nine nine targets, four for seventy-six and a touch. He was—he was great. Um, I don't see this matchup as obviously Baltimore is good, but I don't see this matchup as harder than that individually. The, he has the best volume in the game, like of yeah. any wide receiver. Period. You know, and on a slate like this, you have to play him. Yeah, he's he's got like Antonio Brown's volume and just not Antonio Brown's skill, but he's still I pretty mean, good. I mean, really, who cares about a point two five racer on eighteen targets? Yeah, right, right. He literally <laughs> has a thirty four point nine five percent target share in the year with a forty one point four percent of the air yard share. I mean, it's just this yeah. is unbelievable. I'm also I'm also pretty pumped on Jamison Crowder. We've seen slot receivers just smoking the hell out of Dallas. And you look at his target numbers here in the second half, last four games, 10 targets, 8, 11, and 13. I, I just those, – those two guys, I'm just jamming in and trying to differentiate elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, last week was really interesting because, I mean, everybody's just dying on this Washington team. So to see him get those 10 targets last week, you know, he had, uh, he had 141 reception yards and – it was only a 91 air yards. So he obviously had a super efficient game, but it was encouraging to see, you know, cousins look his way so much. So, yeah. so, 
So obviously there's going to be a need for a third receiver, a fourth receiver. Josh, who are some guys perhaps on the Ravens side uh, that, that you think are good? Because Macklin and Wallace, I think they're both intriguing, but I don't really know how to parse them out. Yeah, I'm not sure how to parse them out either. You know, I don't – with Woodhead's return, I don't know if he, like, vacuums away some of Macklin's target volume because it seems like – and I had to go back and look at his distro, but it looks like Macklin's target volume is a lot closer to the line of scrimmage than Wallace. You know, Wallace's dot. Nate, you can probably pull this off the top of your head, but I think Wallace's dot is probably, like, in the 11, 12, maybe 13 range. Yeah, so, Wallace is right now at 12.7 and um, Macklin's at, like, 9.4. Yeah, so, you know, based on that, I'm probably going to lean Wallace just because he's being targeted down the field. We know Houston can be had deep. And I think that, you know, Baltimore still takes shots downfield. I mean, he, Joe Flacco sucks, but he still throws downfield. And Houston's bad enough that Wallace can take advantage of that. So, for me, as a tournament play, I'm going to look at Wallace. I think as a cash play, I'm going to either look at Macklin or I might even look at Bruce Ellington with Fuller being out. Oh, interesting, interesting, Yeah. I'm not quite sure. Is Fuller for sure going to be out? Well, he's got the little O next to his name on DraftKings, so I assume that – and I yeah, think I read earlier have. today that he's already been ruled out. So. Yeah, he has. It, but, it cannot be overstated how bad this, this Houston secondary is. Um, so, uh, and they were, dude, they were so good last year too. Yeah, and they, well, and their pass rush is toast. Like, they can't get I mean, to the passer anymore. Yeah, it's, yeah. You yeah, lose Boye and you lose Watt and you lose Merciless, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. In trouble. So I mean, we, we saw Miami. Miami couldn't get to the passer against Baltimore, and, and Flacco, you know, as Flacco can only do, pick them apart, right? In a, in the Flacco esque manner. So, mm-hmm. you know, Houston's kind of in that in that regime like Miami is on on the defensive side. So it's to me, it's um, you know, both of those receivers could just totally slice and dice Houston on on the secondary side. Nate, you got a, you got any other wide receivers here that you're pumped on? Um, I mean, that's kind of it. I mean, you're always going to try to take a flyer on somebody. Um, I think I potentially the, depending on the Houston situation, um, with Fuller, uh, you know, looking at Ellington. Okay. So, so moving to tight end, I'm a hundred percent going to chase my losses on Thanksgiving and I'm probably going to play a hundred percent Vernon Davis. I mean, oh my God. <laughs> so bad. What the actual what F? Oh going my back God. to the well. Unreal. <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, I was so glad I was not watching this game. I was, like, having dinner with my family at this point because I would have just, like, crapped a brick if this happened. Like, Thanksgiving's I, already the worst holiday of the year, but that made it even worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just so bad. Like, what happened? Why was Niles Paul playing and Vernon Davis not? I, I just don't get it at all. It, it's just – Anybody Biz- have answers? Yeah, have the no bizarro idea. the bizarro giant showed up. That's what happened. Bizarro giant showed up. Unfreaking believable. Uh, I, I just I'm just no I'm idea. still tilted. He literally had one target. I thought, dude, I thought I was so sharp. I'm like, I did the Herm, I, I did the, uh, the the Josh ADHD, and I went double tight end, Ingram and Vernon Davis, and I didn't even watch. I just mic dropped and went and had dinner, and I'm like, dude, I'm going to come back from dinner. I'm going to have some pie. I'm going to look at my lineups and be like, I'm rich. I'm it rich. I had the Rudolph <laughs> Davis stack, and I was like, after Rudolph crushed, <laughs> I was like, man, I'm winning all the money on Thanksgiving. It's going to be great. He was already streaking naked down the street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was embarrassing. I had to put my pants back on. I mean, it was... 
It's very bad. Do you guys see – I mean, the, the tight ends on this slate are, are really poor. Is there anybody else here, Josh, that, that you think is a, is a halfway decent play? I, you know, I think Witten's probably worth a look. His price is a little bit high for my liking based on, you know, based on what he is probably expected to get. He's got a low ceiling, but I think he'd get in the box. You know, one of the interesting guys I see on the slate, if you want to go rock bottom minimum, Steven Anderson, with Fuller being out – and with Baltimore being good on defense, I, I might look for a secondary player in the Houston offense if I think I'm, I'm if that if I think any of them are going to put up anything. And Steven Anderson's he's a super athletic tight end, and at 2,500 bucks, he might be worth you know just a few percentage points in your in your turning lineups, just a little bit of access to him because he can put up you know three or four catches for 60 yards and maybe get in the box. He might be a guy that just kind of sneaks in because he's flying under the radar. Uh, Nate, anybody that you like here? No, I mean, it's tough, especially because Baltimore mixes it around. You know, I kind of want to pick on Houston, but, I mean, you got Watson, Max Williams is in there, you know, Nick Boyd, like all these guys get tar- – it's like, what are you going to do? So here's one of the worst things that I did. So so I did this solo pod last week because y'all left me alone. And I was so regretful because I did not mention that Davis played Ben Watson in cash last week. And not, like, and not oh, like as his tight end. He went double tight end and, and oh. Watson in his flex. Agree. Oh, my God. How did I not mention that? Wait. Draft Wait. DraftKings should suspend him. Do this. I, I didn't think DraftKings would allow you to flex Watson. Like, I didn't think that was available. I thought he would that be is, grayed out in the flex. That is egregious. <laughs> it should have been. It would have saved Davis a lot of money, man. I mean, it's like, do they, does he need to click the casual checkbox up at the top that won't let you Self- make that decision anymore? Self-exclude for the rest of the season. I mean, the nice thing is DraftKings has now let Davis back in the beginner contests. So that's... <laughs> oh, wait. So Davis is playing the long game here. Like, that's this right. Is, this yeah. is purposeful. I like... No, this is... See, he's sharp, man. He's super sharp. He's always trying to, like, you know, change the game. I like that. taking one step ahead. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Defense and special teams. Uh, Obviously, Baltimore looks like the top play. Josh, you said that you really liked Washington. Um, At what – I know it's hard to say right now the ownership percentages you'll have, but how do you kind of weight those two against each other? You know, I would probably put it about 70-30. I think if I were going to spread them across a bunch of lineups, you know, the, the thing about Washington is they, they do get after the passer and this being the second matchup of their divisional matchups of the year that they're very low scoring historically in that second divisional matchup, especially in the NFC East and Washington knows Dallas. I mean, and, and here's the thing about Dallas is Dallas is a pretty open book. They run a very, you know, let's say a narrow set of plays. They don't do very much creatively with their offense. So, you know, a team that plays them a lot like Washington knows them up and down. They know what they're going to do. So I think they're going to be able to get after Dak. And if Dak's here in footsteps, like it looks like he has the past three weeks, I think they could just totally tear him up. Josh, Josh, you make such a good point about the second time playing teams. I don't have the stats in front of me, but there is a noticeable like scoring decrease when division teams play each other for the second time. Uh, I don't know how you, come up with things that are so sharp and yet make a lineup like you made this week. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's an amazing dichotomy. You know, that's the yin and the yang. It is. Well, I mean, again, that's what happens when you outthink yourself for like a, a solid two hours before lock. I mean, really, I, I should have just walked away and gone to the candy store or something, but instead I went to the, to the pet store and decided to crawl in one of the aquariums. 
<laughs> Nate, do you, uh, do, you, do you have any uh, defense special teams takes here? No, I mean, I think that summarized it. Yeah. Well. You guys, this was, this was super fun. Josh, thank you so much for coming and doing this. Uh, we might just have to get rid of Davis Maddock. Um, you're just so much better than he is at this. It's, I mean, I mean, you, you are Rob Gronkowski and he's Ben Watson. Yeah, this was embarrassing. This is, I mean, this is like when Aaron Rodgers comes back and then you see how bad Brett Hundley really was. That's kind of the situation that's happening here. We didn't realize how bad it was. We just got used to having this anchor carrying us down. And now it's like, it's lifted and you're like, you didn't even realize it. We just got like. (laughs) Stockholm syndrome is real. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, this has been this has been really fun. Again, Josh, thank you so much for being here. I hope that everybody listening had a fantastic week, made a little bit of coin. For the two guys that did not play Julio in cash, Josh at Fantasy ADHD, Nate at Nate Noling. This is Sammy Reed, the guy who did play Julio Jones in cash, signing off at Sammy Reed FI. Take care, and we'll talk to you next week.